Good evening and welcome to the Soho Theatre on March the 3rd, 2013 for No Pressure to be Funny, created by Alistair Barry and Nick Revel and podcasting on the British Comedy Guide. And now it's time to introduce your host, an O'Brien who gets told by the occasional caller on LBC to resign, but not as far as we know by the Pope. Please welcome Mr. James O'Brien. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to No Pressure to Be Funny. Breaking news first, since we arrived at the theatre this evening, Her Majesty the Queen, as some of you may know, has been rushed to hospital with uh, an exacerbation of her gastroenteritis. So if you could all keep quiet for a while, I'm going to phone the ward and pretend to be an Australian <laughs> DJ. <laughs> Let's have some music now, and their first time on No Pressure to Be Funny, Johnny and the Baptists. Good evening. Uh, we're going to start with a song about a news story that quite simply refuses to go away with uh, yet more closures this week. This song is called The Library. So I'm told Where will the old folks go When it's cold outside Where will the young go When they're old Can't shut them down If we make them groovy We've got a plan To get folks hooked We'll put the fun back Into public funded resource We'll put the ooh back Into books Let's go and do it In the library Let's go and do it by the book. Let's go and do it in the library. Let's go and fuck while people read books. In self-help books. It's onanism time. Religion section. Missionary style. In mathematics. Who is 69? We'll get hot and heavy. Like a bibliophile. Because a bibliophile is a lover of books. And a bibliophile is a lover of books. We'll wear protection. In self-defense. And in the index room. Do we decimal sex? And in Greek mythology. It gets fucking intense. And in the children's section. We do not go near the children's section. We do not go near the children's section. We've got conservatives and liberals, idiots and intellectuals, but an open mind's essential in the library. We've got arts and crafts on Thursdays, we've got S&M on Fridays, but we're sometimes shut on Wednesdays. It's a library. We are not afraid to publicize the paper cuts between our thighs. You can never privatize the library. So come and join our protest, it's a fucking mental sex fest So come dressed up or come undressed to the library You can get a bejazzle in interior design In autobiography, that's where I get mine In modern drama, we could do it in mine But come in the books, you'll have to pay a fine Don't come in the books, you'll have to pay a fine Stop coming in the books, it's really not fine Let's go and do it in the library Let's go and do it by the book Let's go and fuck while people read books. Thank you. Great stuff. Thank you, guys. Nice one. First class. Time to 
bring this week's panel onto the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Helen Lewis, Chris Neal, Keith Farnan and Owen Jones. Helen Lewis is a journalist and deputy editor of The New Statesman, which was involved in a spat with Ed Miliband this week after he accused the Tories of scraping the barrel when quoting from The New Statesman. Arguably, just like the Labour Party did with the Miliband family when they elected Ed. <laughs> Radio 4 regular Chris Neal is a comedian, writer, producer and actor who has worked on everything from Just a Minute to the Disney video game Pirates of the Caribbean, Armada of the Damned. <laughs> of course, uh, Chris will always be best known to us for his career-defining role as Owl in all 52 episodes of Poppycat for Nickelodeon Jr. <laughs> Keith Farnan is a comedian from Cork whose last show was entitled Money, Money, Money. As, having appeared on Michael McIntyre's Comedy Roadshow, he was clearly the only Irish person who has any left. Owen Jones is a columnist for The Independent and author of Chavs, The Demonization of the Working Class. He also recently gave away a £3,000 prize he received for winning a Young Political Writer of the Year award, in part because the money came from the Tory donor, Lord Ashcroft. We're, we're pretty sure that Owen Jones doesn't vote Tory very often. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your panel. Now, normally at this point, we have Alistair Barry, one of the evening's co-creators, delivering the Devil's Advocate monologue, but he's currently in a play. Ironically, in the current climate, the character he plays in the play is a senior Liberal Democrat with moral principles. <laughs> There's a lot we could start with, but let's go straight into domestic politics. Uh, Owen Jones, Britain has lost its triple A credit rating. Uh, Cameron said in Parliament that the correct reaction is to cut harder and faster to reduce the deficit. That makes perfect sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love that logic. It's like being punched in the face and going, ah, I told you. But the thing is, the thing is about these credit agencies is we never took them seriously. Opponents of austerity always said, to be honest with you, they gave Lehman Brothers a clean bill of health on the brink of its implosion, dragging the world into the biggest recession since the 1930s. You might quibble a little bit with their judgment. It is a bit like a doctor seeing a patient, look, giving them the once over and going, you're fine, look at you. You've obviously, prime of your life. And then them dying of Ebola two days later. You might think the doctor might come to a bit of questioning for their judgment. To, to keep it in the medical, I suppose it's more like going to an STD clinic and finding out that the STD you've got is actually from the nurse who's checking you for the STD. <laughs> and she still has the audacity to look you in the eye and say it's your fault. Uh, that's Moody's in a nutshell. There you go. <laughs> it'll, it, that'll kill on Twitter later, I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> who, are, who are Moody's? It's just got a ring yeah. to it. It's like the sort of <laughs> sort of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and they sort of wonder what they do with themselves. They go, oh, I don't know. We've dug, dug, dug. We'll set up a ratings agency now. <laughs> we'll have Moody's. I mean, apparently, and Standard in... and Sneezy. And... <laughs> do um, do we know who they are? They've got I a nice office in New they York, haven't they? they? They live in. A, they've got a nice office right. in New York. And, and it ca they don't go out very much, but they, they kind of occasionally think to themselves, oh, we've not said anything for a while. A bit like me on this show. And they sort of just start talking inanely and say to a country, oh, it's not going so well, is it? No, we're going to downgrade you. You were AAA, but now you're double A minus one. Are we double, uh, are we, we're double A? I think double A minus one. Yeah, yeah. Like a, minus which one. isn't bad. I mean, Ireland at this stage is like triple Z. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I don't want to labour the point, but it, well, it wasn't just Lehman's, of course, that got a clean bill of health back in 2008. It was almost all of the Pretty banks. Pretty much that, every bank that imploded. That subsequently needed to be bailed out. So should we not have been a bit more suspicious or, or sceptical, Helen, when, when George Osborne stated that keeping that AAA credit rating was the single most important platform upon which his chancellorship should be judged. Well, the trouble with all this is that we were. I mean, I'm sure you were saying that it was bullshit at the time. And, oh, I was and whinging about it at the yeah, time. Yeah, and then the whole of, you know, the whole of left-wing press, and some of the right-wing press as well, to be fair, just said, well, this is a ridiculous marker. But it was the one he chose, and that's the problem, isn't it? If you're going to say, this is the marker by which I wish want to be judged... No, it goes further than that, though. When, under Gordon Brown, we were put on negative watch, he said, this was such a disaster, we should have an instant general election. The manifesto says the whole point of deficit reduction is to keep the confidence of the credit agent agencies. Yes. But, but there's something about George Osborne that he's just he's just bulletproof. I'm, I'm worried that he might be indulging in some sort I of... I think we should, nice we should test that. I mean, I'm not saying anyone here should go out and buy a gun or anything like that. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> but, but he has been, even by his own standards, he has just failed and failed and failed again. And it's become this sort of weirdly, like it still feels a weirdly lefty thing to say that. But it is true. That he has failed but by his own standards. Really yeah, but you've, you've created this problem, haven't you? You leftist Me? journalist. Oh, right. <laughs> not, not you, you exclusively. <laughs> oh, sorry. But, but if, you, if you've mocked the thing that he said he was going to be judged by and then he fails by the standards he demands to be judged by, you can't You can still be a hypocrite and mock him. Yeah, but you can't turn around and say, oh, actually, it was really important after no, all. No, 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 but you can't say it was really important, but you can say what a dick you were to look in the first place and that it was a good idea, and then, as Helen said, and you've now failed by your own shoddy standards. At which point he appeared You shoot him. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> People still need to trade with Britain. It's still one of the great sort of uh, They don't seem to be that interested in trading with Britain, really. <laughs> well, well, when I say most people, I'm meaning the Irish. We're, we're, we're the nearest ones to you, and if you go down, we kind of go with you. So uh, as far down as we've gone already, we'd like to just sort of stay above water level, if you don't mind. Uh, we don't want it. Ireland, the new Atlantis. Uh, <laughs> Ireland's in growth, though. Oh, listen! Oh, don't don't get me started. Uh, just well, briefly, I, I, no, no, just I briefly. Will if you don't okay, mind. <laughs> no, just briefly to explain. This this, this is the most uh, horrific and and disgusting thing that's going on at the moment. We had our uh, Taoiseach, our Prime Minister, to be up for the European of the Year, um, and Kenny because apparently he was presiding over economic growth. What's yeah. happening is the live register has dropped in Ireland, and the people who've been putting all the numbers into the machine that comes up with this magical thing. What's happened is the live register has dropped because last year eighty seven thousand people emigrated which is roughly about one and a half thousand a week. We lost two, that's basically nearly two generations of graduates right there. We've had the biggest brain drain in 40 years and everyone's saying, isn't he doing a fantastic job? It's sort of like, you know, getting out of Switzerland saying, ooh, what a wonderful father you were. It's, it's, it's because, because the money that it is in Ireland now gets shared out I mean, just because the there's number just of because mouths to feed because the live there. register is, yes. is is so low because there's no one there. I mean, we're all in Canada and 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 here. Hello, <laughs> just in case there's anyone from immigration. Oh, <laughs> that's why I have the beard. Uh, <laughs> and, and unemployment is rising quite fast as well. Well, no, unemployment isn't rising that fast. That's why they keep saying the economy is growing because people are not there to be unemployed. <laughs> the new statesmen, of course, uh, have called this week on Ed Balls to. to these well, no, not the new statesman, and this is a point that I think got lost this week. We had a guest column last week from Anthony Selden, who's the headmaster of Wellington College, and is he that very camp one? He's not that camp. Compared to well, all other TV historians, no. Oh. Compared to the general population, <laughs> who's that, yes. Who's that really <laughs> Faye one who always used to 
talk about Tony Blair. Yes, and that's again, him. He's very good. That's yes, him. He's, that, yes. he's got an odd pronunciation. I don't know. Well, he's rather Fay, I think. Fay's yeah. all right. Yeah. He, he, went in, he went for Mr. Ball. Didn't he did. He, he yes. said the best thing for him to do would be go and teach in a state school. Yeah. But Why? Well, it'd be obviously not Did for the children, but no. for the you know for him because basically exactly that point. George Osborne has messed up repeatedly. Really, Labour ought to be kind of you know he sort of stringing him up metaphorically, and they still can't land a punch on him. Why do you think that is, Owen? Well, if I'm going to put my little lefty windy hat on, which no. you no. have to take that off. <laughs> uh, well, they're not exactly offering a massive coherent alternative to what the Tories are doing, are they? Because you think. The debt, the deficit piling up, the failed in their own terms, they've sucked growth out of the economy. Longest economic recession, not even since the Great Depression, it's even longer than the Great Depression. Now is the time to say, I think we need a genuine, proper, coherent alternative. But they're just quibbling. And actually, Ed Ball, back in the day, when he was standing to be leader of the Labour Party back mm. in 2010, this amazing speech at Bloomberg, and he predicted what would happen if demand was sucked out of the economy, the whole car crash of austerity that we've been living through... And if he'd stuck to that script, then actually I think they would have done a lot better. But at the moment, you get a massively clear message from the Tories. You know at least where you are with Osborne, to be fair. But you don't know where you are with Labour. And that's where we should be arguing for a coherent alternative based on growth, based on bringing down the deficit in the way Labour did after the Second World War, building housing, putting people into work. Taxing the people at the top Why? who don't even Sorry, pay but, their fair share. But for a long time, I don't think anyone was going to listen to Labour about, uh, rightly or wrongly, but no one was going to listen to Labour about the economy or about anything after the, the fag end of 13 years of government, were they? That was part of the problem. But now, n- now that you, you know, you've seen the Tories in power and you've seen that that doesn't do anything either, maybe they will get a bit more of a fair hearing. But the thing is, what's so clever about what the Tories did, and they are quite a bright bunch, to be fair, mm. and what they've done... Do you think so? Pretty right, pretty sharp. But sort of as people, but not really. You don't look at David... Whatever you thought of Thatcher, she was sort of quite good at her job. You don't look at David Cameron and go, there's a man who knows what he's doing. He kind of... (laughs) You know, he's he's got his... You do? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I might not like him, but by God, he's got a plan. (laughs) I mean, you don't really do that. No, but what they did... What they did is we have this massive crisis, the banks plunged us into this crisis, and they said over and over again, they just stuck to a message and said, we've got into this mess because we just spent too much money... But they backed Labour spending plans yeah. pound for pound. That's the sort of thing you'd think the, t- the Labour should be shooting fish in a barrel, but they're not. Well, I, I'll ask you again, why do you think they're not? I just don't think they have the guts and the courage to actually... Why would it take courage? Why would it take courage at the moment? I to, think it to, takes to courage To stand up and say to George Osborne, you're, you're dropping... Because they're scared that the right-wing press will be all over them. They're scared of the fat economists... As opposed to like now, when the right-wing press is they're co- loving them, exactly. up to well, them and the tickling point. them under yeah, the chin. But, yeah, but they, you always... Like, immigration being a classic one that every so often some Labour politician is wheeled out to kind of yeah. make sort of some noises that they think the Daily Mail will like about yeah. immigration. And it's that's the thing, is Owen's right. It's a consensus around the around the middle, that Labour can't break away from. I, 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 this is, I, I hope this isn't a, just a personal fascination and obsession, but um, as the former video games critic of the Daily Mail, I keep a very close eye on their <laughs> political development and, and <laughs> exactly where they go. Do, do you, because I think you're right. I think politicians do set enormous store by that narrative, but actually the country doesn't, as you sort of saw in Eastleigh. 
this week. The, the, can the, I just... Can I, what, what games did you review for the Daily Mail? Did you review, like, Grand Theft Auto I gave the Grand Daily Theft Mail? Auto five stars in the Daily Mail. <laughs> and no bugger noticed. It was fantastic. It, I mean, the readers did. I mean, no one in the hierarchy... In the... Uh, what's it called? The Politburo. The Gestapo. The editorial floor. None of them noticed. I gave it five stars. And a week later, they had a whole page 11 piece on why it was the end of civilization as we know it. And if you went to the... Sorry, is this interesting for anybody else? <laughs> if you went to the comments page online... About 100 comments went, um, you, you gave it five stars in your own newspaper last week. That was my little blow for the revolution. <laughs> I'm sorry, where were we? <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the that is one of the most brave stories I've Thank ever heard. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, if Mother was Teresa was here right now, she'd just put her hands up and go, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Calcutta Owen Watt. Jones gives £3,000 back to Lord Ashcroft. Yeah. I give five stars to Grand Theft Auto. We both the strike our blows. The weirdest thing about that was that Owen then got asked out on a date by Lord Ashcroft afterwards. So what he called his local greasy spoon, the House of Lords. Did he send you a text or something? What did he do? He what wasn't a date. Long, I mean, we are um, podcasting this. He's a happily married man with a, you know, a, a large... Tribe of it doesn't mean yeah, that's never be. stopped any English upper lord before. Yeah. Well done, well done. <laughs> I would like to clarify, I'm not in a bizarre love twist with Lord. It's practically Ashton. a cardinal. <laughs> <laughs> I would so love that. If you had to say Jones, it, it turns powerful, out, was Lord Ashcroft's lover. Why that would be splendid. <laughs> tell, the, tell the story, Owen, for I'll people. Take, who... I'll take one for the team. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> do him more damage than me. Then not. If you, you should give that five back. stars. Give that what he just, just said there. Back. Give that five stars. Tell, tell, tell the story. I've never heard it from, from well, anyone no, except okay, Twitter. I got this award. Thank you for plugging that, by the way. Oh. So I can, I, can, I can brag about it now without having brought it up. Anyway, and... God, it was a lot shorter on Twitter, this story. And <laughs> all it was is it, it was 3,000 3, quid, but it was from Lord Ashcroft. And I thought, to be fair, I'm not taking 3,000 quid from Lord Ashcroft. But then I thought, most of his dosh goes on funding Tory parliamentary candidates. So I gave half of it to uh, a group who are fighting against cuts to disabled people and the other half to a candidate standing against a Tory MP in Peterborough. Stuart Jackson. That's the one. And what, what did Lord Ashcroft do? Did he, did he then go, oh, Owen, you're a terrible flirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you joke. You joke, but yes. I mean, he stood up and said, you, you little... <laughs> you little mint. Little, <laughs> because, because come here, you. And then asked me out on a date. He did not ask me out on a date. <laughs> he did. He, he, stu- did. he, he stayed. Did he stood up and he said, oh, yeah. I'd love you to come for lunch with me, a local greasy spoon, it's the bench. Not- was it, oh, it, was, it was the glint in his eye that gave <laughs> it away. Oh, and th- this sort of attitude of, of sort of tink, tink, twinkling eye type bit, is that because you were confronting him, and I'm going to sound like a member of the Owen Jones fan club, which I'm far too old to be in. The, um, you, this was raw principle, and he actually couldn't oh. quite compute. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lord Ashcroft loves him. But no, I, I mean, in all seriousness, he couldn't quite compute that you were doing something, because even people who perhaps share your politics would struggle to hang £3,000 on well, the principle. Well, actually, what he did is he said, I'll give it to you direct, and therefore you can avoid tax which was hilarious. A funny joke about his tax data. You see what he's really done is. there, because he doesn't pay any tax. Did you go, so take hilarious. me to Belize? Yeah. 
No. Happy days. Oh dear. The um the three thousand pounds. So did you go on this day? <laughs> no. Because because and I was really looking forward to this day. Yeah. I was really looking forward to it. He's I got dried... lovely soft hands, Lord. Lovely <laughs> eyes, dreamy, dreamy eyes. Yeah. Has anyone ever noticed, Lord? Oh, Ashton's you could dreamy swim eyes. in his eyes. You could get. Oh. I mean, did you not go what because you kisser. thought he'd stiff you for the bill at the end? You just wow. thought he'd go. Oh, I just, think I forgot my wallet. I never carry money. <laughs> to, to, which which began that as a diversion about whether why the. Daily Mail narrative of, of immigration benefits. Yeah, well, so that. I want to know about on in, oh, in Lord go. Ashcroft. He didn't go on that. Would you just leave it, Chris? To, add to me and Lord Ashcroft, oh, apart right. from your own private fantasies. Yeah. Also, Talk about this later. <laughs> okay. No, look, all this sort of prurient interest, it nearly did for William and uh, and Kate, so I think we should leave Lord Ashcroft and uh, Owen to work this out. Exactly, blossoming. Away from the <laughs> spotlights of public public attention. But you, 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 I think it's the only viable explanation of why Labour isn't doing more isn't provided because they're frightened of being ripped to shreds in the Tory press but the Tory press doesn't actually seem to be informing the national mood it informs the only mood perhaps that politicians feel but if Eastleigh did anything it kind of drove a coach and horses through some of the presumptions that that position that Labour position is built on maybe a little bit I mean you had an entire week long of stories about the Liberal Democrats and you know their kind of sexual shenanigans which was you know really kind of annoying to somebody who spends a lot of time banging on about sexual harassment on the internet to the you know interest of absolutely no one suddenly half the lobby really really cared about allegations of sexual harassment um, but you just saw a Lib Dem hold. And I think what basically it came down to the fact that they were really angry about the gravel pit in Eastleigh. I kept hearing about this. The gravel, gravel pit, which it never worked out what the gravel pit was or no. where it was. But Is that a song? Yes, by Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, I thought so. Not yeah. that gravel pit. Oh, right, I don't yeah. think they were upset about it. There's a song um, called The Gravel Pit in Eastleigh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Wu Tang Clan version doesn't name check Eastleigh, no, does it? No, I, I, don't think not. <laughs> I think it's actually a gay bar in Eastleigh. I'm not sure. <laughs> And, and that's why they voted, because the Liberal Democrats were providing well, they, leadership they were on gravel pits. They had a great ground game, they had a great candidate, but people really liked the local party. But there was a massive... I mean, it was, the story of Eastleigh is that everybody lost. There was a huge swing against the Liberal Democrats. The Tories failed to take it. Labour got, came absolutely nowhere. Um, and um, UKIP can try and claim that they won it, but unfortunately, they, every time they get inch close to power they get more scrutiny and you begin to realise that more of their people are absolute nutters. But then again, I didn't have, I didn't have much of a stake in it because I thought, you know, Lib Dems versus Tories, it's kind of TB versus cholera or something. And as it turned out, Bubonic Plague came second. But, <laughs> but the, point, the point I thought was incredible about it is Farage afterwards, he spent the day saying the reason people voted for UKIP in such numbers uh, is because of the three social democrat parties that yeah. were on offer. Now, I, honestly, where do you even begin? I mean, <laughs> that rampant lefty Ian Duncan Smith or Jeremy Tony Ben Hunt. I found a hospital he hasn't privatised the other day, the communist. <laughs> UKIP are tapping into something because, of course, the economy is shrinking. There's a fear. We had this fear in Ireland when we had suddenly had uh, immigration into the country for a few years because we'd never had that in the history of the country. Like, literally, we, we were looking at people at the airport going, why are you here? Uh, <laughs> And we don't mean that in a B&P way. We literally mean, why are you here? Uh, existential rather than political. You know, yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, and and it's, it's quite difficult because, you know, people are afraid, people are scared, uh, the, you know, the economy is contracting. So it's, it's, 
it's just plugging into that fear and you need there needs to be a discussion quickly and an adult discussion and a proper discussion about sort of immigration into the country and who's coming in and how you, you can't control it but how do you sort of you, you've got to talk about it mm. there's got to be a discussion otherwise this is what happens UKIP comes in second because people who are afraid don't feel like their fears are being addressed let's, let's have a brief pause at this point please um, if you don't mind because Nick Revel I'm delighted to tell you has the inside story on the Pope's resignation. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Revel. Three weeks ago, a ready meal scandal envelops Europe and then the Pope resigns. Coincidence? Think again. <laughs> if you think horse meat lasagna is a big deal, get this. I can exclusively reveal that the Pope resigned because the body of Christ has been found in a value burger. <laughs> How do I know? About three weeks ago, I was invited to a secret dinner at a secret location for a secret society, the Stercus Tororum, who discuss secret information in the strictest secrecy about how, how the whole world is run secretly by a few secret people. How I came to be invited must remain a secret, except to say that it was expositionally convenient. Our rendezvous was a secret vault dug secretly by Zionist leprechauns, the same Zionist leprechauns who secretly concealed secret gold beneath the Twin Towers in 2001 to tempt George Bush to personally pilot all four aircraft on 9-11 in a futile attempt to quench temporarily his insatiable lust for gold, also giving him an excuse to launch an illegal invasion of Iraq or something. Let's not get bogged down. You know my drift. Point is, when your secret society needs a secret vault digging, these leprechauns are the go-to guys. Okay, So, as we sat around an ancient wormwood table, which had been transported secretly from Palestine to its secret location somewhere in a suitably cinematic medieval quarter of a city I cannot name by a group of renegade Knights Templar just before the fall of Constantinople and right after the end of a particularly wild stag night... <laughs> I could barely believe my eyes and ears. Candles flickered as Jim Morrison, Elvis Presley and Graham Parsons served a delicious meal parodying The Last Supper. Glenn Miller conducted a small band discreetly in the background. Then, rising to his feet, the head of the order, writer Dan Brown, <laughs> tapped gently on his grail-shaped wine glass with a silver spoon in a rhythm which I noticed immediately contained a Fibonacci sequence. The story he told could rock the foundations of Christianity and Western civilization to the foundation of the very rock upon which those foundations are founded. Here's how and why. Secretly and unknown to the majority of the world's population, Christ returned to Earth some years ago, mainly to complain about Mel Gibson and evangelicals with tambourines for giving Christianity a bad name, but also to fulfill the prophecy of the second coming and the final judgment of all mankind. But he made the mistake of announcing himself to the Catholic Church, who are making way too much money to allow the end of time to happen any time soon. <laughs> Christ was asking too many questions. What's with all the wealth and the property when most of your flock is dirt poor? What's with all the sexual abuse? He was rocking the boat, challenging the whole business model. So they offer him a payoff if he just goes away somewhere quiet and shuts the fuck up. He refused. Even when they threw in a 10% share of all the merchandising, including flesh-colored Christs, the glow-in-the-dark, 
He refuses. So eventually, they have no cha- choice but to whack him. They whacked him and put him into burgers? Yeah, what are you going to do? Yes, they whacked him and put him into burgers. A guy in his position, you would think he'd read the brothers Karamazov. And of course, the big problem, you whack Christ, he comes back to life three days later. <laughs> it's a problem that never goes away. So as a consequence, Zionist leprechauns were hired to build a secret meatpacking plant in the catacombs of the Eternal City where the body of Christ could be mixed with ordinary minced meat components like beef, horse, rat droppings, sawdust, food inspectors and roadkill to produce a cheap, nutritious snack which could also be used to secretly administer Holy Communion to an increasingly agnostic world. Now, you'll remember the Pope saying in his resignation speech that sometimes it had seemed like God was sleeping. The truth is more shocking. God was not in fact sleeping. He had been in a coma since he overdosed out of guilt during the Spanish Inquisition. For him, that was like an Alec Guinness moment at the end of Bridge on the River Quiet. Grasped the full enormity of his actions when he created mankind. Couldn't handle it. Oh my God, what have I done? I am God, give me the quaaludes. He only came round two weeks ago, noticed Jesus was missing, dragged himself into a cold shower, regained his omniscience, zapped the Vatican with the thunderbolt, and now the Pope's on the run. (laughs) The the Pope's on the run from the all-seeing, all-knowing Lord of creation? Where can he hide? For the full answer to all this, you'll have to wait until the movie comes out. (laughs) But now it is time for me to go. I see an albino monk at the back of the room. Thank you. Um, I mean, the obvious way to go with this is into today's revelation, apart from the Queen's tummy, the other, the other news that's broken in the last few hours is that Cardinal O'Brien has, well, effectively owned up to um, doing all the things that he has been telling other people they're burning hell for doing for the best part of his clerical career. Well, he hasn't career. said what he did. No. He? he just said his sexual conduct was yeah, below par. But he's, par. A ca- he's a Catholic <laughs> priest. It's true, it's he was a terrible shag. So below um, par or below cassock? <laughs> there's below par... Which I seem, I would have just thought if you're a Catholic priest, you're not meant to have any sexual conduct. <laughs> so I, 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 thought, I, below I thought the other person made judgments like that. I didn't think you were allowed to self-criticise. <laughs> well, I think it's good that to just be a me? self-aware lover. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there are sex scandals galore at the moment. You've got, you've got the Lord Renard allegation, Seth MacFarlane at the Oscars, sailing pretty close to the wind of misogyny, Cardinal O'Brien. But there, there is one even more shocking story that I'd like to draw your attention to next. Uh, Chris Neal, it's all right, it's not you. Um, you're not implicated in any harassment stories, but you are a renowned foodie. Right, well, sort of. How are you feeling about Pippa Middleton getting hired by Waitrose Food magazine? Surely this is more scandalous than Lord Reynolds, the Oscars and Cardinal O'Brien put together. Well, as someone who has pitched to William Sitwell, editor of Waitrose Kitchen on numerous occasions, <laughs> and uh, never actually been given anything... Shame. Um, I know. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed. I don't quite... I, 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 I was asking what do you back think to... you might be doing wrong, Chris? Well... <laughs> I've got a peachy ass. I don't know. I, 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 I've no idea, really. I, I, I'm not really sure what she's what she's been taken on to do. I mean, we were talking backstage about it that she's going to be like the new Delia. She's going to be mm. the face 
of, I don't think she's probably ever cooked anything in her life. I can't imagine if she ever wrote a how-to book, it would just be Well, one she page. did. She wrote a book last yeah, year. Yeah, but that was about, about, no, that was about, about hosting, yeah, hosting uh, parties, not about cooking. Parties. That's the thing. I'm sure she's marvellous at hosting in parties. Yeah. No, I think there's cooking in it. I think there's the whole yeah, shebang. Yeah, but basically the cooking will be bringing caterers. That's kind of <laughs> what she'll say. She'll say, oh, you've had a long day on a Tuesday. Here's a simple supper for when you get home, tired, bringing caterers. That kind of is what it will boil down to. Like, the whole party book was basically bringing my family and their catering business, and we will do your party for you. If you can't afford that, imagine you could afford it and buy my book instead. And now she's going to be all over Waitrose, which to me is a slightly holy space, and uh, with, 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 all her, with all her shoddy advice about dreadful volivants, and I don't know, I can't imagine... I mean, she's, I'm hoping that Pippa Middleton will turn into Princess Margaret, that's what I'm really hoping. But underneath all this peachy-bummed loveliness, there's a woman who loves 40 a day Marlborough Red and can drink her body weight in gin and is noshing off young servicemen left, right and centre. And, 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 and only because I'm jealous. And, um, and, and that's kind of her column going to be in Waitrose. William Sitwell has thought, oh, I've got this lovely young girl from the home counties who was educated at Marlborough. She can tell us about how to make hummus out of butter beans or something. And she'll get, well, when I'm on knees sucking off young squaddies, what I like to do? And that, and you go, really? Have I bought a year's worth of this, Pippa Love? I'm not sure this is quite what I want. At that point, I send an email to William and I say, oh, I've got a lovely recipe for masaka you might be interested in. And in I come. <laughs> Can I just say one thing? I'm yeah, going to say please. one thing about the Pope, the whole Pope thing. Does anyone else feel that the Pope hasn't really left everything out in the field? Anybody else feel that? That his team are sort of losing 5-0 and he's just sort of limped up going, oh, I pulled my calf muscle and, <laughs> and now he's going to come off the pitch going, I wasn't on the pitch at the end when they lost. Uh, anybody else feel that? But, 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 but by pulling, pulling out early, he is, of course, observing one of Catholicism, <laughs> Catholicism's trickier doctrines. On, this just in. Up to two-thirds of doctors and nurses in the NHS would not recommend the hospital where they work to their own friends and family. Apparently the other third know that they're in the will. <laughs> and some breaking news for you. Pretty shocking breaking news, in fact. Sir David Nicholson, who was head of the Mid-Staffordshire Hospitals, now known in Cambodia as the Killing Fields, is... <laughs> still head of the National Health Service. I wonder, do you think his contract includes private health care? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the stage Johnny and the Baptist. Hello, hello. So um, this next song we have uh, almost entirely written during the first hour. So good luck. Um, now, you, the more observant of you will have seen last night in the press, Conservative MP Claire Perry uh, yesterday advised David Cameron that British children are being too babied by intrusive parents and don't learn the real dangers of life. So we've written a song about that. I'm going to perform it from the perspective of a child talking to his parents... For those of you who were too parented uh, and babied as children, um, you're just going to have to imagine that. Uh, and if you can't, get someone to explain it to you afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
Mama, I've been telling you this all along. When it comes to parenting, you've been getting it all wrong. Dad, I'm not gonna say it twice. You both need to read the government's new parenting advice. Mama, you're overparenting me. Don't you realize your role is just paying for my degree? Don't show love or concern, not even a bit. Just pay for my life and return your child benefit. Cause there's too much care in this world. We're all suffering from a ridiculous indulgence of love and care in this world. Mama, go back to work and pay for childcare. You're accidentally doing the job of our Polish au pair. Dad, work harder, life isn't a game. Your role is just fiscal, you're not meant to have learned my name. You're getting in the way of my reading 50 books a year. Your job's just to pay for them and then steer clear. You're wasting your time on this caring tomfoolery. You need to buy all the books now they've shut all the libraries. Cause there's too much care in this world. I'm worried there's a feeling of social concern and care in this world. Cause I don't need your permission, need my own volition. Stop shooting me down with your love ammunition. You both need to listen to the coalition. They have a vision, they make great decisions. Like downgrading the marks on English GCSEs. Cutting out book staff and trebling tuition fees. Deregulating the numbers for nurseries. They know what they're doing, so pay attention, please. Your love doesn't matter, you're just making me matter. You're just the first rung on my property ladder. Stop feeding me love, you're just making me fatter. I just need the Tories, not mama nor dada. It's too much care in this world. It's just too much care in this world. Thank you. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Uh, I believe, I, I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, you've done us proud today with, uh, with, with comments and questions from the floor. Owen, uh, this is addressed to you. Is this Lord Ascot? Should we just get <laughs> <laughs> There's a key taped to the back. No. Uh, comparing... <laughs> <laughs> comparing this, this recession to the Great Depression is unfair. People are suffering now, yes, but it's nothing like what happened in the 30s. Length of time is, is not an appropriate measure. Ah, the point about the comparison isn't to say we've gone back to the 1930s. The point is we're just in a far longer economic crisis. So by this stage in the Great Depression, we'd already recovered. We'd gone back to a bigger economy than when we'd started. But we still have a smaller economy now than when Lehman Brothers crashed. And in fact, by 2020, the average Britain is going to be no richer than they were at the beginning of the century. And if you're in the bottom low earners, you're going to be 15% poorer. So... I'm going to stand by that. It, Sorry. It, it, well, I, I understand. 
I think I think I, the, the objection is, is 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 an emotive rather than an, it's the it's the picture of the Great Depression. You use the phrase, and we see bankers. That's a bad choice. Decent, hardworking people falling <laughs> falling out of buildings, and 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 that is not happening. Look, it's here. just this is the longest economic yes. crisis in modern times. I mean, that's just the fact of it. Whether or not, I mean, the issue is about you know the fact is you had massive explosion of poverty and unemployment in the in the 30s but again i mean if we look now at what's happening to people next month uh, we're gonna have massive disability cuts we're gonna have the bedroom tax we're gonna have tax credit cuts it's gonna be the biggest raiding of the income of the poor since 1931 so again the the, the it, it stands I might invite the questioner up onto the stage yeah, to do, to do any, further, any further supplementaries. I, 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 I sense Owen has, has, has dealt deftly with that, although the accusation, oh, not the accusation, the, the, the observation that we are not in the, uh, the misery, the misery is not comparable, the length of time of the, de of the recession clearly is. In, in the view of a UKIP voter, is David Cameron's only crime not hating foreigners enough? His, isn't his main problem being in, in power, basically? I mean, that's what UKIP relies on, is the fact that no one is sick of them yet. But if I was going to vote UKIP and David Cameron could do anything to make me not vote UKIP, hating foreigners more would be enough? Well, it's quite... If you, if you look at, like, the main list of concerns of a UKIP voter, only 27% care about the EU. Yes. So that's obviously not their beef. But... Or I horse. Think <laughs> 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 uh, it's gonna be a Can nine I help? It's going to be a nine of those, is it? <laughs> And we're coming up to the second half of the show now. The second half of the show, they're over the second fence, the second fence, they're over the third fence. They're coming up to the next story. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a good question. I like this question for the, for the simple reason that you look as, a, as someone who is un, utterly unpersuaded or, or unseduced by that sort of ideology and you wonder what the hell it is. That they want, and, no, and that's it because David Cameron thought he'd neutralise him, didn't yeah. he? he didn't well, he's given a referendum. Immigration's gone down by a third, and if anything, he just fueled them. It's quite. It's a lesson yeah. there. It's a lesson there that you actually, if you end up, you can boost your opponents by playing on their own territory. But I don't know. I think to be honest with you, a lot of people about UKIP just want to stick their fingers yeah. up. The funniest one I heard on the door. Someone tweeted this. It was a Lib Dem canvasser, and they they said someone on the door said. I voted for UKIP because they stand for socialism. <laughs> I accidentally ended up on, on a B and P rally once. Uh, I, I was in I was in Nottingham, uh, home of tolerance, and uh, and I was in the main market square and I was walking through and I said I saw the St George's flag in the distance and I thought oh this would be like St Patrick's Day this would be fantastic I'll follow it down there'd be a bit of crack and it'd be wonderful and and I, I, I followed the flag uh, all the way down through this sort of narrow sort of roadway and at the end of it everyone turned around in the square and there was 25 skinheads and me and, and, they, and they looked at me like as if to say he's not one of us and, and what made it worse was that I had a jacket on that had a little badge that said kiss me I'm Irish yeah. <laughs> and the, the only thing that saved me was the fact that they couldn't read that was the only thing that saved me Oh, I'm so lucky. Let's uh, invite Nick Revel back onto the stage, this time, ladies and gentlemen, with a plan that could help David Cameron heal the rift with his own right wing. Nick Revel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
Cameron at the moment is having a lot of pressure from his right wing, and one of the ways he's trying to appease them is by transferring some of the uh, overseas development aid uh, budget into into the military. Um, and uh, the, the the logic is, you can't provide proper aid for a country uh, until it's been made stable and doing stability is part of the the military's job. So the money should go into the Ministry of Defence or the Ministry of Love, as it's now known. Uh, according to an announcement by the Ministry of Truth. Um, (laughs) But for me, the very meaning of the phrase humanitarian aid has been far too long controlled by dogmatic left-wing ideologues. I'm not looking at anybody. Red Nose Day is coming up, and surely this is the perfect time to rebrand the concept of charity, to embrace voluntary fundraising, not just for the homeless, the starving and the unfortunate globally, but also as another way of making up the shortfall in the military budget. Let's take that idea of stability being the prerequisite for aid and run with it, okay? For example, a primary school this Red Nose Day could make it their project to raise money for, say, a batch of cluster bombs, or as they're now known, multi-warhead stability inducers, uh, shaking buckets outside supermarkets, going on a fun run, being pursued by teachers, carrying a webcam, call it Dodge the Drone Strike, and trace the journey of the cluster bombs from factory gate to point of delivery in some remote mountain in village. The pupils could then devise another fundraising project to have the youngest, cutest victims of the collateral damage flown to the UK for medical treatment. Uh, Now, if we've learnt nothing else from the last 12 years of global asymmetric warfare, uh, one thing is that it's clear that a modern democracy cannot survive without the occasional unlawful abduction and maltreatment of totally innocent people. Let's embrace that instead of hiding it away. Let's remember the people who conduct extraordinary rendition and deliver suspects to be tortured in clandestine prison blocks around the globe, those guys are human too. And some of them probably feel a bit bad when they realise they've made a mistake. Not enough to become a whistleblower and forfeit a pension, obviously, but enough to develop a sizable drink habit. Let's help those people too. Booze aid, after all, it's called Red Nose Day. Other themed Red Nose events this year could, uh, could include abducting and holding a work colleague hostage at a secret location and waterboarding them with, with Alka-Pops to lighten the tone. Uh, now, thanks to strategic errors, ignorance and careless planning of politicians and military top brass, pointless sacrifice is a proud tradition in the British Armed Forces, absolutely integral to the min- military way of life and impossible to avoid. But perhaps it's time to reduce the carbon footprint of pointless sacrifice. So instead of spending millions training young men for combat and flying them thousands of miles to fight and be wounded in a hugely expensive and futile military operation, perhaps a random number of untrained, unemployed young men could just volunteer to be blown up on waste ground here in Britain. (laughs) Thus maintaining our willingness to stand up and be counted, but with far less strain on the Checker. Anything else would be unpatriotic. Of course, you can go too far with this combining of military and humanitarian spending. Some are suggesting that it should be the full responsibility of the government to look after veterans who have been injured physically or psychologically in the defence of their country. But of course, as every soldier knows, part of patriotism is being dumped and neglected by the people you risked your life for and your well-being for when you're no longer useful.
No ex-soldier expects to be looked after properly at great expense to the taxpayer, especially in a time of austerity. That really would be unpatriotic. Nick Rebel, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I mean, Nick does it better than anyone else I, I, I know, but the, the relationship between satire and this government becomes, I, I think, increasingly strained when you look at what actually is happening rather than what uh, a, a comedian, a satirist like Nick, suggests might happen next. So, you know, one thinks of the, of the families where three generations have never been in work, Turns out Ian Duncan Smith hasn't got evidence for the existence of any of them. The 20% of benefit claims that are fraudulent, turns out the number is 0.7%. I know what you're thinking. How does he know all this stuff? I follow Owen Jones on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't like to speculate on what they might do to military spending next, but Helen Lewis, what is... What is fundamentally wrong with the, with the suggestion that we might actually spend less money on, quote, proper aid if we spent a bit more on improper aid, i.e. military spending, would help increase the sort of stability that we can then invest proper aid in sustaining? Right. Got that. Um, the, for me, the big problem with this is that Philip Hammond, the Defence Secretary, came out and said we should you know, cut the benefits bill. We shouldn't cut the uh, defence budget because we need to defend ourselves. Now, the problem is we've got a brilliant army that will defend us very well if France invades and a land invasion. That's probably not very likely to happen. Um, so what, does, you know, what good is 200,000 tr- personnel and aircraft carriers and stuff like that against, say, a dirty bomb or, you know, equally at the other end of the scale, a nuclear terror attack? Unless we're going to refight the Boer War, which I'm guessing probably isn't going to happen, then we've, you know, there is no risk to ask of, 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 from an army. So, so you, you, this is like that scene in King Lear when Goneril and Regan are trying to take away King Lear's soldiers, isn't it, Chris? Very much like that. And, and, and at the end, one of them... <laughs> at the end, one of them, they've gone down from 1,000 to 100 to 50, and, and I will say to you, what, what needs one, then? Why do we even need one soldier? The parallels this? are frightening. Isn't it, just <laughs> as, as so often. <laughs> but what, I mean, you, are you not suggesting that we don't need an army? I'm suggesting we don't need an army of the type that we have because actually military intelligence would be much more useful. Pippa Middleton can only get through so many. (laughs) (laughs) God, you really hate her. You really hate her. I've never thought about the woman before tonight, but she's a fucking cow. She's got it all. She's got the looks, the arse, the army, the column in Waitrose kitchen. Sick of her. Sorry, James. That's all right. Why, Owen, do we have this apparent obsession? It, it may have an obvious answer to this, but, but this obsession with apparently punching above our weight, because Helen's right, the, the, the prospect of having a land war fought on, on drawn borders is, is pretty much zero. Um, the thing is, though, because Philip Ammon's latest thing, isn't it, which is we need to cut welfare even more, the welfare state, in order to save uh, arm, the yeah. military spending... And it's what they try to do, this government, is try and turn people against each other. So you have the working poor against the unemployed, non-disabled people against disabled people, private sector workers against public sector workers. And now they've got this whole kind of soldiers versus scroungers shtick. But the thing is, the fact is, firstly, soldiers tend to come from areas where you don't have much jobs, lack of secure, well-paid work, so people end up joining the army. But also the way we treat soldiers in this country after they've fought is terrible. We send them off to these unjust wars 
where they risk their lives or they even die, they end up being maimed, injured. A lot of these people end up in the streets, they end up in prison, they end up with drugs problem. They're now also going to have their benefits cut because they're one and the same. Is it the, um, is it the <laughs> fact that, they, that they, he actively wants to turn people against each other or he could just be defending his own fiefdom and, and screw everybody else? It's that's not the, quite the same thing. That's the whole stick, isn't it? This government's trashed the economy and they want, instead of being angry at them, they want us to be angry at our neighbours. That's the, that's the thing. But this happens with every budget, with every country. You look... <laughs> That was clapping him, I Thank you, thank you. I, 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 I presume that was for me, even though it wasn't. Um, that's how comedians get elected. Uh, <laughs> the problem, I mean, when you look at every country, you look at America, you look at the defence spending over there, you look at the, the UK. I, I mean, unfortunately in Ireland, we don't have defence spending. I did a, a gig for the Irish Army. His name was Sean. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> But what you've got now, literally, is you, you've just got, you've got a tiny pool of, of resources, a much smaller pool of resources and money. So everyone's just, it's literally, it's, it's just horse trading. I can't believe I have to use that phrase <laughs> after the show you've had. But it's all. not more, it's more than that. It's more they're saying to people, you've been mugged, therefore your less deserving neighbours should be mugged as well. Like you shouldn't be angry at your boss for cutting your pay packet. You shouldn't be angry at the government for slashing your tax credits. You should blame an unemployed person but it's next working. door. Or if you're in the private sector, your pension's been taken away by your boss. Instead of getting pissed off with your boss, you should say, the nurse next door, she still got her pension. What right does she have to that? That's what this government's tried to do time and time again. And the only way we're going to get rid of these bastards is by <laughs> directing justifiable anger at the people who cause the mess rather than turning on each other. That's the problem. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to say how particularly brave of Owen it was to, to explore that theory on such a rabidly right-wing platform. <laughs> Just the Daily Mail readership <laughs> assembled. Wayne, uh, known to listeners to my radio show as Wayne in Basildon, and still the only person that's ever, ever put his name on the bottom of one of these questions. Some science fella has asked middle-aged couples to apply to go to Mars and back for 18 months. Uh, that being said, who out of all the politicians would the panel choose to go with and what would you discuss? Chris Neal. What, who, which middle-aged couple would no, I go with? No, who would you be? You'd be half of the middle-aged oh, couple. Oh, I see. Well, actually, no, I a, actually, actually, you, you could, no, to take, be honest take a with couple you, with you yeah, and knock to, yourself out. To be honest with you, I would struggle to be half of a middle-aged couple, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, if it was a very young, modernist tomorrow couple, obviously that would be fine. Um, uh, <laughs> Which middle-aged couple would I like to go to Mars with? Well, I'm glad I've been asked this, because I've thought about it, you know, uh, a great deal. Um, i tell you who I worked with at the Edinburgh Festival uh, a couple of years ago, and um, then they, they reared their peculiar heads uh, this week in Eastleigh, Neil and Christine Hamilton. Yeah. Um, you didn't boo enough, if anything. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, they keep inviting me to lunch. I keep being busy that it's year. A theme. Uh, There's a theme emerging at that <laughs> end of the panel. <laughs> it, well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike Owen, I have no principles. I'll say, give us three grand and I'm there for a starter. Um, uh, Christine, bizarrely, I, they hosted a... They, they're kind of... Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, uh, but they're sort of quite fun. Um, uh, Christine's quite sweet. Chris, Christine is quite sweet in a kind of scary, slightly should put her hands down your trousers kind of way, given half a chance. Uh, and who can blame her? She's married to Neil, so even I look like quite hot stuff. And, uh, 
and, and, and they, they hosted this chat show at the Edinburgh Festival, which she kind of did, and he sort of stood around at the back like Nosferatu with a drinks trolley, and, and, uh, and he would pour you occasionally a glass of very cheap fizzy wine, and, uh, and, then, and then if there was any woman on, 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 on their chat show, he'd just go, here are, my dear, and then walk off again. And I thought, well, if only he'd kept his public life to that sort of role, it would have been, it would have been a far happier thing. But I wouldn't mind, of all the awful people you could be stuck on a spaceship, it takes a fuck of a long time to get to Mars. 18 months. Uh, eight, is that all? Oh, there and months. back. Yeah, OK. It's like a sort of like trip. Like, have you ever driven to Cheltenham? That's about 18 months. <laughs> uh, so don't have any proper roads. It's a nightmare. Owen, uh, Owen surely you'd take uh, Edwina Curry. Who I would be taking... <laughs> Do I even need to answer? Is he a politician? No, no, Ed, surely Edwina. You could be reunited oh, with Edwina. Edwina. Seriously, seriously, Edwina. I won't even... Edwina, Edwina Curry. Edwina oh, Edwina. The BBC had this strategy for a while, trying to, like, make me have a premature nervous breakdown <sighs> by putting me on <laughs> with Edwina Curry all the time. And I think she is the worst person who's ever lived. In many ways. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even joking. So I said to the BBC, there's no way I'm ever, 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 Because Goebbels had lovely nails. Yes. <laughs> so, Edwina. And the thing is, the thing is then, she set up a Twitter. She set up a Twitter account. And it was following one person. It was me. And the thing is, it was just so ridiculous what she was saying. Everyone's like, come on, Owen, pull yourself together. Of course it's not Edwina Corby. Look at what she's writing. It's insane what she's writing. It was Edwina Corby, and she just set up an account literally to troll me. I still wake up screaming. <laughs> and then they asked me to do this sort of 10-minute like debate with her, and I said that I'd prefer to do a, an appropriate act with a cheese grater, and they didn't get back to me. <laughs> Uh, Keith, I'll come to you last. Helen, you go first. Which, which middle-aged... Well, hang on. Which politician or middle-aged couple would you like to spend 18 months on a, on a spaceship to Mars with? Just none of them. Not Just one? Awful. Not even for comedy reasons? No, not Try even... Trying getting to the heart of someone's psychosis? What, no middle-aged couple in the whole world? Or politician, I ever. quite like my parents. Yeah, you don't want to time with them. Oh, <laughs> Mother's answer. Day. Yeah, taking taking the, the no-pressure-to-be-funny <laughs> title of the show a little literally, but charming, <laughs> charming nonetheless. <laughs> I'd absolutely positively 100% would have to travel with Tony Blair I would have to do it because we would land on Mars he would step out I would close the door <laughs> wait I'm not done I'm not done I'm not done I would close the door I would leave the planet even though there was no life on the planet he would still manage to start a war somehow <laughs> on the planet and uh, eventually get a job with some sort of private company, make billions off of it, <laughs> pretending to be an envoy uh, for peace in the world, where in fact he's getting a bucket load of money from some sort of dodgy Middle East uh, businessmen, Martian Middle East businessmen, obviously. Uh, and uh, we'd all live happily ever after. We, we are back on Sunday, April the 7th. Um, our guests will include the comedian Paul Sinha, the independence political editor Steve Richards. He's also doing a solo show, Rock and Roll Politics, at King's Place in London on March the 11th. And what a small world, Johnny and the Baptists are also doing a gig there on the 14th of March. I won't be here April the 7th, so um, Kevin Day, the comedian and Match of the Day presenter, will be. Please. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in thanking your panel this evening. Chris Neal, Owen Jones, Keith Farnan and Helen Lewis. You have been enjoying No Pressure to Be Funny. I'm James O'Brien. Good night. <laughs>